safe bet, and then there's a Good morning, everyone. Please stand. You think so, Lord. I got a king. His love endures forever. For he's good, he is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. the mighty hand and outstretched arm. His love endures forever.
you guys can return to your seats right now. Um, we have an opportunity. I love the sound of the fellowship. Just keep talking. We have an opportunity as a church family in the uh, coming month to to actually participate in something that's uh, that's really kind of exciting. It's uh, it's some disaster training, disaster preparedness training that is uh, is called the Community Emergency Response Team. Uh, it's uh, this is this is for real. This isn't just uh, just you know getting together and figuring out how to how to turn the breakers off in your house. This is some for real uh, training and experience for uh, for when the the ice storm comes tomorrow. You'll be ready to know to 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 act and know what to do. Uh, but in all seriousness, so we, we have an opportunity. Uh, there's lots of opportunities for things to go wrong in our lives today. And uh, as, as citizens, it's our, it's our responsibility to be ready for that. So we're going to play a brief introduction to that. I'm going to ask Larry to come up at the end of that video and tell us a little bit more. CERT, your community emergency response team. The CERT program educates people about disaster preparedness and trains them in basic emergency response skills such as home and fire suppression safety, light search and rescue, life-saving emergency medical operations, and team organization skills. Training to accomplish the greatest good for the greatest number. When a major disaster happens, it will overwhelm local emergency response capability. CERT members can apply essential first response training learned in the classroom and from real-life exercises to give critical support to family, neighbors, and our community until help arrives. I signed up because I know that eventually there will be a disaster in our area. It's inevitable, and we might as well be prepared. This is a great opportunity, and I can't uh, say enough good things about the training that I received. And the people that were training us, they're excellent, they know their job, and we learned a lot of good things from them. Turning on your gas, turning off your gas, turn off the electricity, or stop your water supply in case of an emergency. All those little things that you might not think would be that difficult, you have a chance to do them firsthand and leave knowing and feeling more confident that you'll be able to handle that even just for your own household. It's going to help. The CERB program is a very good idea, and I believe more people are going to get involved. I think we've just seen the first swell of many. Oh, I highly recommend that anyone who possibly can to take the training. If several people in every neighborhood has had the training when a disaster comes, those few people can pull other people together and help them help each other in their neighborhoods. I think it would be good for church groups, for clubs, for other organizations to work together at recruiting other people to come in to uh, get the training for CERT. Uh, good morning. Um, I think most of you know me. Uh, my name is Larry Chappelle, and I am the CERT program manager for Coweta County. CERT is a uh, FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency sponsored program. And the truth of the matter is, if an event occurs in our area, we and you are the first responders. So do you have the training? Uh, we uh, are offering uh, this, this training to Northside for this uh, upcoming class. Uh, we've had a sign up sheet outside for a couple weeks, but today is the final day to, uh, for that because the classes will start uh, January 16th 
is a 20-hour training program, and at the end of that, there is a disaster drill that you get to put your skills in practice. And some of you participated in the last drill that we had. Uh, poor Emma didn't survive, unfortunately. <laughs> but if you have signed up, or if you're interested in signing up, if you'll see me uh, out by the desk after church, I will uh, fill in the, de the details for you. Thank you. You'll stand with us again. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope and no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested and my life began. Oh, ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. And my orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested, my life began. Oh, your grace, oh. Is over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new. Called me his friend when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me know now life begins with you. Rejoice as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus rose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes Thank you. 
all these tithes and offerings. Thank you that we get to come here to church and worship you and love you. Um, please help us to have a great rest of the week and for us not to get cold from the weather. In your name, amen.
I threw you guys a curveball because I sat down here on the end where some of you guys normally sit. Well, I wanted to, uh, to share something with you. We have some of these at our house, and, and we use them a lot. Um, do you guys have a lot of questions? Do you drive your parents crazy with questions? You, I'm sure you do, because kids have a lot of questions, and, and adults do too. And you know where adults go to get answers to their questions? Google, right? <laughs> they go to Google to get answers to their questions. So, so we have these little things sitting around our house that, that answers a lot of our questions, like, listen to this. Okay, Google. What's my name? Your name is Brian. So she knows my name. She doesn't know your name. She, see, say, say blank Google, except use that word okay. Ask it your name. See if it knows your name. Come here. No, no, no. You got to start with okay. You got to say it loud. I didn't get that. Try saying that one more time. She doesn't know your name, right? So, so she knows a lot of answers to a lot of questions. Like the other day, I had to spell the word fuchsia. You know how hard it is to spell the word fuchsia? It doesn't spell like it sounds. But so you can say, okay, Google, how do you spell fuchsia? Hooked on phonics did not work for that word, right? <laughs> so, so she knows a lot of answers to a lot of questions. But, you know, she doesn't know every answer to every question. And that's something I want to, uh, to, to tell you guys today. Because we live in a world today where, where people think they can go to the Internet and find answers to questions. And, and Google doesn't know the answers to all the questions. Like this one. Okay, Google, am I a sinner? doesn't know the answer to that question. Okay, Google, did Jesus die for my sins? Okay, Google, did Jesus rise from the dead? Isn't that interesting? Those are questions that you guys know the answer to, right? What's the answer? Am I a sinner? How do you know that? How do you know that? It's okay to call your preacher a sinner. <laughs> because I call your parents sinners all the time. <laughs> How do you know I'm a sinner? Because the Bible says I'm a sinner. It says you're a sinner too, so don't feel like you're better than me. Because, uh, the Bible says that we're all sinners. How do we know that Jesus died for our sins? How do we know that? The scriptures are very clear with us that that's what Jesus did. And so though Google may be helpful in helping us learn how to spell words, hey Google, is it going to snow in Noonan tomorrow? So she's helpful and knows a lot, but she doesn't know the answers to the most important questions. We, we find those answers here uh, because God's word tells us that, that the word of God in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 is all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching. It's good for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And so if we want answers to life's greatest questions, then we have to turn to God's word because that's where the true answers can be found. Let's pray together. God, thank you for, for, for neat tools that help us learn how to spell hard words. Um, 
But God, most importantly, thank you for the word of God that tells us how to answer life's toughest questions. Lord, we know that we're sinners, and we know that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, that we might live forever, and that we might be in heaven with, with, with Jesus one day. Lord, thank you for these boys and girls. May they come to understand that though they can learn a lot from Google and the Internet and all those things, Lord, that life's, best, life's greatest questions are answered in your word, um, and they're true in, in every sense of the word. Thank you for these boys and girls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand again as we continue to sing. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise him, for he is my health and salvation. All ye who hear, bow to his temple, draw near. Praise him in glad Sustainest. Hast thou not seen how thy desire e'er have been granted in what he ordained? Praise to the Lord who doth prosper thy work and defend thee. standing as we share God's word together this morning from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, I'll begin reading, oh let's look at verse 16. In all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the, word, and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it speaks to us and teaches us. Thank you for its command to us to be in prayer for all the saints. May we be men and women of prayer today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. You know, it's a risk when we do children's sermons, but every once in a while they set you up for a, um, for a fantastic, 
fantastic um, home run there. Um, want to encourage you, these books are available in the foyer. I only have a limited number of them, but the good news is I can get more. If you are participating in our reading plan, as, as many of you are, these books are available. This is, a, this is a reader's guide that goes along with the reader's plan. So what it does is it basically gives, gives you some things to look for each day as you work through the reading plan. So, so there will be some places where you're reading and you're thinking, eyes glazed over, how do I get to the next place? That happens. There's some places like that. This helps you get kind of wade through that. Um, it also has a centerfold, which, uh, which I know that sounds like it's something, something, something that doesn't belong in a, in a church book. But it's got, it's got some fold-out timelines that you can kind of fill in the blanks as you go. Uh, we have some of these available for $5. If you want an electronic copy, you can go to Lifeway and look for it. I can give you the link if you want it. Uh, but you have to take care of that yourself. But we have these available for 5 bucks. If we run out, we can get more of them. But they'll be available after the service this morning. Uh, first come, first serve. So, uh, so if you want one, don't sit around and talk too long. You may not get your hands on one today. Um, so just want to make sure you knew that that was available. Last week, we introduced what we called an addendum to the armor of God. We may be fully equipped in our armor to do battle, but there is an ongoing dynamic of the battle. This ongoing dynamic of the battle means after we've put our gear on, after we've armed ourselves, after we've gotten to the front lines, there is necessarily a, a communication that has to take place, especially communication with the commander of the forces. If we're engaged in battle, we need to be in communication with the person who is responsible and in charge of that battle. That's where prayer comes in. We have been talking about the armor of God, each piece of the armor of God, and as we have equipped ourselves, we now go into battle, but as we go, we maintain communication with our commander. I love that Paul takes us from the lofty theological heights of the first chapters of this letter, but he leaves us in the trenches of an intense spiritual battle. This is the nature of this letter. We have our shields in hand, we have taken our swords, and they are at the ready, and now we are to be in communication with our commander. You know, last week we talked about some of the problems that we have with prayer. And we do have problems with prayer. I don't know any of us that are absolutely satisfied with the quality or the content of our prayer lives. If I met anybody who says, yeah, I pray enough, I'd want to either hang out with them a lot or get as far away from them as possible uh, because I don't know anyone who is really just content uh, in a good way with their prayer life. We talked about the fact that that sometimes we act like we don't need prayer. Life's going okay, and as long as life's going okay, then we, we really don't need to be in communication with the Lord. Uh, we, we sometimes talked about the fact that, or we talk about the fact that, that praying well doesn't really come naturally to us. Uh, if you look at Jesus' disciples, men who spent time with Jesus, one of the questions that they asked the Lord in Luke chapter 11, after they watched Jesus pray, is they say, Lord, teach us to pray. They were compelled by observing the prayers of Jesus, and they came to Jesus and said, we want to pray like you pray. If the disciples didn't naturally understand how to pray, then it gives us some comfort that we don't naturally know how to pray either, and so we need to be, uh, we need to be discipled in the discipline of prayer. 
Well, what did Jesus do? He gave the disciples the model prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but really it's a model prayer. In, in response to their inquiry, he, he gave them the prayer that we recite as the Lord's Prayer. When they noted that Jesus seemed to be particularly effective in his prayers, they simply wanted to learn to pray like that. And so Jesus gave us a model to guide us, not a liturgy to recite. There's absolutely nothing wrong with reciting the Lord's Prayer, but that's not the, that's not the, the design of that prayer. It's to give us a model that we are to follow in learning how to pray ourselves. As we consider this need to be discipled in the discipline of prayer, the best way for that to happen is to find someone who prays well and spend time with that person. If you want to learn how to pray, spend time with people who know how to pray. And, and that starts to rub off. Uh, it's, it's a discipline that, that's contagious. It's just like the disciples. They saw, they spent time with Jesus. Jesus knew how to pray. We want to pray like that. When I'm around people who, who really seem to know how to pray, I like to spend time with those folks because they've got that, that red phone, right? Some people say you've got the red phone because uh, it seems that you've got a one-on-one connection. I like being around those folks. And maybe you know people who have that, that gift of faith where it just seems that they're able to, to, to dial up the Lord directly. I, I want to be with, with those people. And if you think about it, when you're engaged in battle, you know who I want to be with? I want to be with the guy who's the experienced warrior, Right? I, if I'm engaged in a battle, I don't want to be with the rookies who who uh, who get their get their helmet shot off all the time. I want to be with a guy who knows what he's doing. I'm not sure where the quote originated from, but it goes something like this: "Beware of an old man in a world where men die young." Talking about talking about soldiers and guys like that. That that beware of 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 old men in a world where men die young. I want to be around those old men because they've got the scars and they've got the 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 time and they've got the 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 investment. to to show that they've walked the pathway. I want to be near those men who've been strong and who survived in a world where men die young. Well, this morning, as we take take seriously Paul's instructions for us that as we prepare, as we fight, as we engage in the battle, let us therefore pray. But I want this morning to look specifically at how Paul asks us to pray. Because it's not just hey, y'all pray for me. He's very specific in how he gives these instructions about prayer. The first thing that jumps out to me is the fact that that in prayer, we stay alert. Now, think about this for a second. I found this to just be incredibly ironic because the the posture that we identify most readily for prayer would be the bowing of the knees, perhaps even a prone posture. Maybe you've been in that situation before where you've really felt that the only acceptable way to pray is to get on your face before the Lord. Well, I'll be honest, that's not a very alert position. If you're prone in prayer and someone comes up behind you, you're, you're not going to be aware or able to respond very quickly to their presence. Heads bowed, eyes closed, that's not exactly the most alert condition for the battlefield. However, we must remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Paul has explained this to us already. Therefore, our alertness that he is speaking to us about is not physical in nature. We talk about situational awareness today. That's, a, that's something that's important because we know that we live in a world where it's important to know what's going on in the world, right? You walk into a new room. I don't know if you're like me. One of the first things I do is I start identifying where the exits are. I start identifying where if you, if you go eat with me, one of the things that I, I have to work hard against is that I want to sit facing the door. 
I want to sit facing the door so I know what's going on uh, when, when, when some, I, if something goes down, I want to duck first, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I want to be aware of what's happening. Uh, we, we live in that kind of world today where we want to be aware of what's going on, but this is not the kind of alertness that Paul is speaking about here. This is a different type of alertness. Now, to be clear, if we're serious about praying continually, then it's not always going to be possible to pray in a prone position, okay? If you take him seriously, pray at all times. It's going to be hard to pray at all times on your knees uh, because you can't live there. If you get older, those knees start to get bad, and if you stay there too long, you're going to be stuck there, right? So we can't take him seriously about praying continually and then pray in this, this, this prone position. But the good news is that we're not Muslim, and we're not required to bow to face a particular direction in order to communicate with our God. We can pray continually. We can be in an all-day conversation with God without once having to face in a particular direction to get his attention. That's not to say there aren't times and places where our communication with the Lord feels like we need to get down on our knees or feels like we need to get down on our faces. Certainly times where that is certainly appropriate, where our communication with the Lord compels us to our faces. But that's not what we're talking about here. I love that Paul here, in this idea of prayer, that's where we find ourselves the most alert. In this idea of prayer, that's where we find ourselves most alert. Now, again, in the context of battle, just think about it. A soldier on a physical battlefield has a limited frame of reference in and of himself. All a soldier on a battlefield can determine based on what he has is what he can determine with his own senses. What he can touch, what he can see, what he can hear. Those are the things he can determine just by himself. But in an ideal scenario, guess what? A soldier doesn't go to battle depending only upon the things that he can touch and taste and feel and hear and see. He goes into battle with, in his bag of tools, a repertoire of information from satellite footage and intelligence, and, and now they got drone video and, and, and those sort of things. There's reconnaissance information, and so a soldier may be limited in his own perspective, but his commanders ought to have many more resources to help the soldiers accomplish their mission, right? Well, that's the good news about prayer. Men and women, think about this. In prayer, we are tapping into the source of limitless knowledge. We are tapping into the source of limitless knowledge. You think Google knows a lot. Try praying and see what sort of things the Lord wants to share with us. In prayer, we are in communication with the one who knows the enemy perfectly and has the outcome firmly in hand. Now, if you and I think for a second about that, we're going to be able to make it through life on our own. Uh, we, we, we think we can do that. We think we can get through life without worrying about prayer, without worrying about our interaction with the Lord. But the reality is, is if we try to do that, then we're like somebody who woke up in a strange house in the middle of the night without a clue where they were. You ever been there? Woke up in, the, in a hotel or, or somewhere and you were sleeping so soundly and you woke up and, and, and for a minute there you, you couldn't quite figure out where things were, that's when little toes get broken, right? When, uh, when you, when you kind of forget where things are. Um, that's what it's like. We think we're going to be okay, but if we try to do this on our own, then, then we're waking up without a clue what's happening. In our prayers, we find spiritual alertness and spiritual awareness that's not available anywhere else. 
But while he emphasizes alertness, he also emphasizes the need to persevere in that alertness. Again, this is in the context of battle. What good does it do to communicate with a commander and then go rogue just when the battle gets the hottest? While it might make a, a good Star Wars movie, the reality is it doesn't work in real life. Some of us have a tendency to pray fervently at specific times, but we aren't very disciplined to maintain that communication. Have you ever found yourself like that? I have, where something has come up, and I have found myself compelled to pray fervently, whether it be for someone or some individual need or for some decision or for some direction that I'm looking for. But once that need is met, once that person doesn't need prayer anymore, once that decision has been reached, you ever find yourself with that fervency just dropping off? It's not perseverance in prayer. It's, it's alertness for a moment, but when the moment passes, we find ourselves slipping back into a sort of passive, only pray when the moment is hot situation. But if you're disciplined to pray, if you're disciplined to pray, then you learn to persevere. Now, you may, be, you may have trained yourself to pray as you lay your head down on the pillow. That's where many people say their prayers. They say their bedtime prayers. We teach children that. It's no wonder that adults do the same thing. But if your only prayers throughout the day are as your pillow, as your head meets your pillow, then you're not really staying alert and staying connected. You may be disciplined to pray as you read your Bible. And I would certainly encourage you to pray as you read your Bible. But if the extent of your prayers is limited only to the time that you're in front of God's Word, then you're not praying without ceasing. You're not carrying that conversation on throughout the course of the battle. Remember, our battle is a spiritual one. And that means the enemy is not just engaged at the obvious times. There are times where we know the enemy is going to be engaged. There are times where the temptation is real, where the opportunities to disobey are, are, are serious, and we know the enemy's engaged in those times, but guess what? We serve an enemy, or we fight against an enemy who likes to engage in guerrilla warfare. That means they show up when nobody's really expecting, when nobody's really looking, when you're not prepared. It's easy to fight temptation when you're in a place where it's easy to fight, right? It's easy to, to fight temptation when, when the, the odds are stacked in your favor. But what about when you're alone and no one's around, no one's watching? Well, suddenly those temptations seem to be a lot more difficult to say no to. You know, there have been several times where I've been hiking and camping up in North Carolina and North Georgia where there's been evidence of bear activity. You say, well, what is evidence of bear activity? A sign posted by the park service that says bear activity, right? That's a good sign. There have been many times where I've been in those places, and, and there's been evidence of bear activity. There's other evidences as well. I won't spare you, the, I'll spare you those details. The thing about a bear is that if you go into the woods expecting a bear and never see a bear, what have you lost? Absolutely nothing. If you go into the woods prepared to see a bear and you don't see a bear, everything is okay. You're, you're fine. You never want to go into the woods, however, where there are bears, not expecting a bear, and then running into one when you're not alert. That typically unfolds with someone left food out and they wake up in the middle of the night with Big Smokey rummaging through their cooler looking for a, a, a camper in a, in a sleeping bag. That's when that typically unfolds. Our spiritual journey works the very same way. If we persevere in our alertness, then we're not caught off guard by the enemy. If you know there's danger in the woods and you're prepared for the danger, friends, there is danger in the woods. 
You're not going to go into the woods today and not experience danger. In your walk with the Lord, there is danger. Be ready for it. Be ready for it. Don't think for a second that it's not going to come because the second you think it's not going to happen, that's when you're blindsided with that temptation and you find yourself falling every single time. It's the bear that's in the woods that you just didn't think was there. Secondly, Paul says that we need to pray and offer supplication for all the saints. What exactly do these words mean? Well, prayer is the generic word used in the Bible for our communication with the Lord. It's a junk drawer term. You know what a junk drawer term is. It's kind of where everything associated with it gets dumped into. You've got junk drawers in your house. You might have a tool junk drawer or a kitchen junk drawer. If you've got kitchen junk, it goes in the kitchen junk drawer, right? Well, prayer is a junk drawer word where kind of everything associated with prayer gets dumped into that one word. Supplication is a little bit more specific. When we talk about supplication, it's specifically saying that we are asking God for something. Now, we can offer supplication for ourselves, right? You ever ask God for something? I have a fairly regular basis. I ask God for things. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no. But I've asked God for things. But Paul specifically says to offer prayers and supplication for the saints. Now let's not overcomplicate this. What is Paul asking us to do? Pray for each other. He's asking us to to pray for each other. You see, going back to the beginning of this letter, Paul offers this soaring supplication for the Ephesian believers. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And here's his supplication. What's he say? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of to which he has called you, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards uh, us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ, whom he raised from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. That's a supplication. I'd like to hang out with the Apostle Paul if he prays that way. Uh, You just feel smarter uh, hearing that. And I say yes and amen to every single one of those requests. Please pray those things for me. Please pray those things for me. Paul is praying it for the Ephesian church. I will gladly take those supplications on my behalf. If you say, Pastor, how can I pray for you? Pray Ephesians 1 for me. Okay? I will gladly take it. But understand that our prayers for one another need not be so theologically lofty have to be that rich when we talk about praying for one another we certainly need to pray for one another's spiritual health and vitality there's folks who have needs from a health standpoint who need our prayers they need our supplications we need they need us to ask god for them we certainly pray for one another think about a church who would take this seriously where we don't just say oh yeah i'll pray for you isn't that what we do will you pray for me i got you i'll pray for you And then we don't? What if we did? What if we literally, really took God seriously here, and when there was a need, we literally prayed for it? You'd blow people's minds if someone said, hey, would you pray for me? I've got this going on. And then you just stopped right there, right in the middle, and you prayed for them right then and there. Right here in front of everybody? Absolutely. I'm not good at that. I'm terrible at it. I wish I was better. It's something I want to work on. What if we took that seriously? 
What if we actually began to pray for one another? What are some examples of things that need praying? We need to be praying for the salvation of our loved ones. There are people in our congregation right now who aren't following Jesus Christ. They're not, they've not given their life to Jesus. We need to be praying for their salvation. By name. By name. I've heard testimonies of, of pastor friends who, who part of their testimony is, is one of the reasons they became a Christian is because they, they ran into somebody who was praying for them by name. Uh, an old pastor friend of mine, he, he said he gave his life to the Lord because he heard his daddy out in the cornfield. It was a long time ago. And he heard his daddy sobbing out in the cornfield, and he heard him praying for his son by name. And he went out when his dad had finished, and where he had kneeled in the cornfield, there was mud from where his tears had been, had been falling on the dirt. That'll change somebody there. We, we pray for our loved ones who are lost, who need salvation. We pray for them by name. We need to be praying for reconciliation between people. We need to be praying that, that where relationships are damaged, that there can be reconciliation and repentance, where those, those things that are broken can be restored. We certainly need to be praying for the provision and healing for folks that are here in our body. We need to be praying for healthy marriages. Praying for one another's marriages when, when they're stressed. Everybody's marriage gets stressed from time to time. What, what a blessing it would be to know that, that, that we were praying for each other's marriages. That, that, that when there's stress and, and, and tough things in the home, that, that the church body is lifting those things up. Not just the intention of prayer, mind you. We all have the good intention of prayer. But actual heaven's gate rattling, door knocking, laying on our faces before the Lord, laying our prayers at the feet of Jesus' prayers for one another. What if we love that deeply? That we prayed that fervently? got to use that to change a church but it's hard to do when you don't know each other right it's hard to do when you don't know people it's hard to it's hard to do those things when you don't have relationships with other people there's a lot of folks that live next door right here in this neighborhood how many folks next door here you think need prayer all of them right well guess what i don't know all of them and so I can pray for Timber Ridge, but it's hard to pray specifically for them unless I know people. This is why we talk about Sunday school and small groups as being so important. Because guess what? I don't have the means to pray for all of you. I simply don't have, there's not enough time in the calendar for that. I pray when there's needs and I have a prayer list that I work through. But I have no way of praying for 300 people on a, on a regular, consistent basis. There's no way to do that. But you know what I can do? I can pray for 15 or 20 folks fervently, consistently, with, with love. I can do that easily. And guess what? You can too. And that's why it's important that we be involved in, in small groups in Sunday school so that you may not be able to fervently pray for 300 people. But I promise you, you can pray for 15 or 20. I promise you, you can. And you can pray better for those 15 or 20 because you know them. You're in relationship with them. You know their needs. You spend time together. It's easy to pray for those folks. Finally, Paul says this, to pray for him. We translate that and talk about praying for those in leadership. But Paul gives specific requests for himself to the Ephesians. He does that because I believe he knows these folks are going to be praying for him. You know, the early church understood the importance of praying for those in spiritual leadership. 
One of the funniest scenes in the Bible happens in Acts chapter 12. Peter has been arrested. Herod's gotten, got a backbone, and he's realized that if he can persecute the Christians, that, that he gets political points. And so he, he killed James, the brother of John, and then he went and arrested Peter, and he's got Peter in jail, locked deep in the jail. And we're told in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, that Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was being made to God by the church. Well, you know what happened? This is crazy. God answered and sent an angel to deliver Peter from the depths of this prison. And Peter's, he's so, I mean, this, this is, this is mind-blowing for Peter. He's pitching himself. Is this real? Is this true? And he, this angel escorts him all the way outside of the prison. And as soon as he gets outside, the angel disappears, and Peter is now on jailbreak. And so what does he do? Well, Acts 12 tells us that he goes to, to Mary's house. That's John Mark's mom. He goes to her house because guess what's happening at her house? That's where the body has gathered together praying for Peter. That makes sound like a good place to go. So Peter goes to the house. He knocks on the door and says, hey, guys, let me in. And the servant girl hears Peter's voice, knows it's Peter, and instead of letting Peter in, she runs to tell the others. Peter's at the door. Peter's at the door. And they say, no, he's not. You're crazy. And finally, she lets Peter in, and they're all shocked because Peter's there. They're surprised that God answered their prayers. It's the funniest story in the New Testament to me. God answered. God answered. It shouldn't surprise us as the church of God when God answers prayer. Let's not be amazed when God does that which we ask him to do. What does Paul ask for here? He asks for boldness. In spite of his chains. Remember, he's in prison. Chains have a remarkable way of keeping people silent. Yet Paul doesn't pray for the removal of those chains. He doesn't ask God to remove the bondage. He simply prays for boldness while in the chains. Likewise, Paul isn't simply seeking boldness. He's seeking a gospel-centered boldness. Anybody can be bold, right? I mean, there, there's bold people everywhere. But I don't want to be bold for the sake of being bold because that's not anything but, but braggadocia and arrogance. But boldness about the gospel, well, that catches people's attention. You see, Paul never backs down from the gospel. What did he tell the Romans? I'm unashamed of the gospel. Put me in chains, I'm unashamed of the gospel. Crucify me on a cross, I'm unashamed of the gospel. See me martyred for the faith. I'm unashamed of the gospel. Your leaders today appreciate your prayers. Our world is not interested in bold claims by Jesus' followers. But as we pray, let us pray that we might continue to make the bold claims that the gospel demands. Here's the thing, and I think I can speak for BJ in this as well. We always covet appreciate your prayers always 
one of the most encouraging things to me as a pastor is to get a note or a letter or an email that says, I was praying for you. I was praying for you. That goes further than just about anything in the world, knowing that somebody is praying for me. Now, I hope that I'm never in chains, and I need to be in prayer while I'm in in chains. But if that day ever comes, then so be it. I share in the Apostle Paul in seeking boldness in spite of the chains, even if prison ministry is in the future. Would you join me in prayer, please? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the call to pray as God's people. May we always take that calling seriously. May we make much of you, and may we bring each other before the throne room, Lord. May we understand and love each other deeply, that we would pray for each other much. God, help us to be in those relationships where, it's, where we find the means to pray. Lord, it's so difficult to, to pray for folks we don't know, Lord, but when we're in relationship with people, those prayers come, come readily and easily, Lord. What if as a body of Christ we just took these prayers seriously? where we were not afraid to come together and pray, where we were unashamed to, to pray for those in needs when those needs are expressed, that we would just stop in our tracks and pray for people who have needs. God, may we continue to lift up the lost in our midst, God, that they might find the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, Lord. God, would we be a people who love you, who love each other, and who are in constant communication with our Lord that prayer becomes the lens through which we see the world, and that even as we walk through life and do the things that we have to do, the, from going to work and paying our bills and taking the kids to school and going to their ball games, Lord, that even in those things we would find a means of prayer and communication with our Father. Lord, we love you and are thankful for today. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and have a time of invitation if you'd like to pray. You can do that. But guess what? You don't have to be on your knees facing a certain direction to do that. Uh, God hears your prayers wherever you may be. Uh, So let's stand together and sing and respond as the Lord would lead. Tis the grandest theme through the ages sung. Tis the endest dream for a mortal tongue. Tis the grandest theme that the world e'er sung. Our God is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver thee. Though by sin oppressed, go to him for rest. Our God is able to deliver thee. Tis the grandest theme in the earth or main. Tis the grandest theme for a mortal strain. Tis the grandest theme, tell the world again. Our God is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver thee. Though by sin oppressed, go to him for rest. Our God is able to deliver thee. You guys be seated for just a second. Hey, Ethan, throw that third verse up there for that song. I've never heard this song a day in my life. And Curtis pulls this out today. Uh, Look at that. Stop right there. Stop right there. So this is the song he picks for the invitation on the day before the national championship game, and it has a subliminal message in it. 
Now, I will say, in God's house, there are neither dogs nor elephants. There are only sheep and goats. Okay? Uh, uh, so, I saw that. I, I laughed this morning. I, just, I, I told him I was going to sing. We're going to make him sing the third verse. And he said, I'm just going to sing the second one again. <laughs> um, a couple of quick announcements. Uh, don't forget, tonight uh, we have our uh, discipleship starting over again after the Christmas break. Uh, we've got some, some options for you tonight. If you're in a, a young person, you've got Awana, of course, and the uh, best discipleship available for children uh, that's church-based. Uh, we love Awana, and we would love for you to bring your kids and be part of Awana. Uh, it is phenomenal. And so uh, come bring your kids, finish off this season in Awana. Our students are... Uh, are going to be doing some uh, some new discipleship stuff as well. Uh, they're going to be doing Master Life, and so uh, so that will we'll start with kind of a preview of that tonight. Uh, so you if you're if you've got a teenager, you're going to want them here. A lot of you went through Master Life a long time ago, um, and so uh, the good thing about things that that are that have some age to them and have endured things are excellent. Uh, we 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 base our faith on a book that's two thousand years old, right? Because nothing better come along. So, uh, so we, 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 love the, we love the Word of God. Now, because of that, we've got a couple of opportunities for adults that I want to make sure you know about. Uh, Brian Lucas is going to be facilitating a study. Uh, Matt Chandler, we recently did the Apostles' Creed that Matt Chandler did, and we're doing an, another study called Recovering Redemption. It's a gospel. It's a, it's a focus on the gospel and how the gospel ministers to each of our lives. You'll get a preview of that tonight. Uh, I'm going to be facilitating a study that actually goes along with this, uh, this, this Bible reading plan. Um, and so in seminary, they call this hermeneutics, which is how you interpret the Bible. Uh, we're going to actually be doing a, a, a version of that, that that helps us understand what the Bible says. Uh, so if you're fairly new to the faith, then I would encourage you to be part of this, because if, you, if you're trying to open your Bible and figure out how to read it, uh, and you find yourself struggling with some of the things there, then, uh, then this is going to help you learn how to read your Bible better. Um, and so, so we've got some opportunities. You'll get a, a thorough preview of those tonight. So if you're not involved in Awana and, and you're looking for some, some ways to grow, uh, Sunday night is the place to be here at Northside because we've got some phenomenal options to help you grow in your faith. And uh, looking forward to, to, I wish I could be in both, the Chandler study and this one because uh, this is much needed uh, in terms of uh, how we read our Bibles. So that'll be tonight starting at 6 o'clock here in the sanctuary. Other than the Awana folks, you know where to go. I do believe that is all. Mr. Steve Holloway is our deacon. Would you mind coming up and dismissing us in prayer, sir? Thank you. Join me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Yes, we know it's cold, but we know this season will come, and it will be a new season. Lord, we know one thing that doesn't change, and that's your love for us. Lord, it's our prayer that we pray more to you, we look more to you, and we yield to you instead of our own ways. We just pray that we never lose sight of what's important, and that's our focus on you, Lord. And Lord, we'd like to lift up our, our pastors. They need our prayers more than anything, Lord. I pray that you'll continue to bless them and protect them and guide them in all that they do, Lord. And the same goes for each one of us as we leave here today, Lord. We pray for your protection and your blessings and that we'll be bold to show the hope that we have that only comes from you. We ask these things in your most precious and holy of all names from you, Jesus.